Meet Jack. Merry Christmas, Mrs. Mason. He's a writer. I have five number one bestsellers. Really? He's joking. A loving father. We're not going to get Christmas from you. Maybe next year. And a businessman. We're barely making ends meet as it is. What are we going to do? Family meeting. We are about to embark on an adventure that the Carter family has not undertaken in many, many years. Christmas and Bartering Pines. It will bring us closer together as a family. This place is so small. Well, I think it's charming. But on this adventure... Jack! A childhood friend. Robert and I used to come here when we were kids together. We've been coming up every year. Let's do this thing! Would prove to be the dad. Your dad is the coolest. He wished he could be. Flaunting his money and his success in my face. We're gonna be hanging out all week, buddy. Look, where did you get this? Went out of nowhere. This is my map. I drew this when I was nine years old. It's a Christmas tree, a magic Christmas tree. A glimmer of hope. Whoever finds it will receive eternal happiness and riches beyond the wildest dreams. Well, we gotta go find it. Before the Joneses would awaken Jack. Let's find this tree! And show his family the true magic of Christmas. We're just a little lost. How are you? A magic Christmas. Are you ignoring me now? Wow. This one is something, folks. Uh, welcome back to another Stocking Stuffer. You're here alone with me to talk about a Christmas magic, a magic Christmas, a Christmas magical, magical Christmas. It's very confusing. Like many of these movies, the title's very generic. If you type in, I think it was One Magic Christmas, you get a movie from 1985. If you type in Christmas magic, you get like 35 movies that have aired on Hallmark between in the last three years. But this is a Christmas Mad, no, a Christmas Eve. Then this, there's a sequel to this, and it's called a Christmas Eve miracle. And it honestly, it's very hard to keep straight. But we are talking about <clears throat> a magic Christmas from 2014. This one comes to us courtesy of Tubi. I did not plan on doing any movies on Tubi, but here's what happened. I was on Hulu looking through the Christmas selection, trying to find something that would be fitting, and I stumbled upon this title, and I watched the trailer. You you just heard the trailer, and I thought, this is everything. It has C. Thomas Howell, executive producer C. Thomas Howell. It has Jonathan Silverman, and it seemed to be, from the preview, like a gender-flipped Christmas movie where it was the man who had to learn a lesson, and I thought, okay, all right, I'll take this. And I got really excited, and this morning I sat down to find it, and it's not showing up on Hulu. I'm like, what? what's going on here? And I go to Just Watch to find it, and it turns out it is on Tubi. I guess it was on Hulu at one point to where they had it there with the trailer. And I don't know, maybe it's one of those things where if enough people add it to their wish list or whatever it's called on Hulu, they'll put it on that service. But in the meantime, you can watch this on Tubi with a few ads, not many. The movie is, I think, 78 minutes long. So even with ads, you're still under 90 minutes. That being said, spoiler alert, this is a really long 78 minutes, if you know what I mean. But I do hope people track it down because this is one of the weirder ones that we always like to find every year that, that's kind of worth watching. Again, it's terrible. It's not good, but it's a little bit weird. So you heard kind of the whole movie in that longer than a Hallmark trailer. I don't know. Let's start with that. I don't know what network this was made for. 
the pedigree behind it, uh, this is directed by R. Michael Givens, who also directed the film Opposite Day. Uh, and not too many directing credits, but a lot of camera work stuff, uh, including um, different credits for Reanimator, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Trancers, and Munchies. So did a lot, a lot of camera stuff in the 80s. Oh, and the Trick or Treat from, the 80, from 1986. So the guy worked a lot and directs this along with I, I need what I need this is one of those um oh man like I know there's movies out there like this where the making of documentary oh the Boondock Saints one that's a good one I hate Boondock Saints but Overnight's really great right I kind of want the overnight of a, a Magic Christmas because I have a feeling the making of it's got to go into things you have executive producer and star C. Thomas Howell what was going on that he decided he wanted to give so much attention to this movie as you heard you have Jonathan Silverman and here's the crazy thing about that trailer that I cannot believe you now first of all the trailer doesn't say anybody's name and look see Thomas Howell and Jonathan Silverman aren't A-list actors but they're names where if you had them you would say them to get people to watch it but guys that's nothing do you want to know who else is credited in this movie. I'm, I start this movie, and I'm thinking this is not going to be very good, but whatever. It's, hey, it's something. And the credits are going, the credits are going, and there is a narrator to the movie um, who narrates the entire movie. And the, I'm thinking, oh, that voice is somebody. Who is that voice? I can't quite tell. And then I get to the credit, and, and it's one of those and credits where it's starring, blah, 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 and then it's, you know, this is like when you have that special person. And Burt Reynolds as Buster the dog. My fucking God. We have Burt Reynolds in a made-for-TV or somewhere Christmas movie, and the trailer doesn't even say it. Now, so much, so much to process there. Was Burt Reynolds blackmailed into doing this movie? How much was Burt Reynolds paid to do this movie? Did Burt Reynolds record all of the audio? Because obviously he's not in the movie. It's just his voice doing the dog. And it's not a talking dog. It's the dog, um, the thoughts of dog, if you will. So did he ever take off his bathrobe and slippers while recording his audio? Like all of these things you want to know. As I am sitting here watching this movie in my reclining chair, in my pajama bottoms, like with my computer in front of me and my phone to my right and kind of, you know, multitasking while I do it, my husband walks in watching it and says, I think that was exactly the same like position and amount of effort that Burt Reynolds put into doing the audio for this movie. And I would agree. But again, was it also in his contract that nobody could know that he was actually in this movie? I kind of have a theory that it was. More than anything, I want, I mean, again, I, I want to learn a little more about the making of, but I would, I would pay, like, instead of Christmas gifts this year, I want to see the fine print on Burt Reynolds' contract for A Magic Christmas. So having, you know, gotten past the important stuff here, let's get into the story. Uh, this is, um, again, you heard it all, but Jack is a family man. Um, he runs the bakery that his father ran. His wife is the baker, so she does all the baking. He does, like, the business stuff, which he's really bad at because he just gives everything away. Like, he's the, you know, the front guy at the bakery, and, like, a kid comes in and gets a cookie, and he's like, no, put your money away. And then the very next scene, a woman comes in and orders bread, and he's like, no, put your money away. 
And you're just watching this wondering, because later he's also trying to play the stock market, uh, thinking that he like can get in on something and make a lot of money. And you're thinking, if you just collected money from your customers, you would have money and would not have to have this pipe dream. Also, apparently he wanted to be a novelist and never wrote anything. There's a lot. So he was both a, um, what would you call it? Like amateur novelist and amateur stockbroker. And somehow the movie doesn't think it's weird that those two things aren't related, but are for him. So he has two miserable children. Uh, one is a, this, the kid's not too bad. The son's not too bad. The older son, who I guess is supposed to be like 16, who's obsessed with basketball. And then the teenage daughter, who I guess is supposed to be 15, who's uh, who's like one note for the movie was phone so uh everything is just phone no service no internet no hashtags like it, it's it's a little rough uh but he decides he finds that the cabin destination where he used to go to on vacation with his family uh they are closing but they are having like a great fire sale for the last weekend in december so he takes the family, they drive to this cabin, he thinks they're going to bond, and what do you know, but staying in a cabin not too far away is his childhood friend, I say with raised eyebrows, because I think there was more. I think there was a lot of secret gay, gay things going on in this movie. Uh, but so it's Jonathan Silverman and his wife and their teenage son, and Jonathan Silverman has lived the opposite life of Jack. Uh, his name is Robert, by the way. And Robert is a stockbroker and made millions and lots of money and his wife is a chef or business owner I was I missed it and I'm not gonna go back and look for it uh, but she like does a lot of fancy cooking and their teenage son is attractive to where the teenage daughter is like hey let's hang out with this family and it's like the family's fine like they're pretty cool and they keep like treating the poor family to things which is pretty pleasant but Jack of course feels like a lot of anger and a lot of why isn't this me and you know my kids resent me and wish they had this life and all of that um there's bonding and then an hour and 10 minutes into this hour and 18 minute movie uh jack decides they're gonna go find a magical christmas tree that there's a map for and then the, the other family has to do it too and whoever finds it first gets wealth and happiness for the rest of their lives so then both families are trekking through the wilderness to find the tree and the jack's family does and the movie ends with buster telling us that um the families are now intertwined that the moms have gone into business together with a bakery and cooking line and stuff and that the dads have gone into business together doing something stocks i think and also jack has written his novel and his novel is about this movie is the screenplay for this movie in novel form uh, guys you think there's a lot here there, there's so much here that there is a sequel uh, and in the sequel, same director, I don't know much about it, but you can guarantee I will end up watching it because I can't not. Uh, I, again, most of the same characters, I think, although they're not the main uh, cast, the sequel seems to be a body swap with Olivia Diabo. Why not? Uh, and instead of Burt Reynolds, they get John Voight for the voice of the dog. I, I, I know, I know, no words. Let's, I mean, because I, I can keep going on about the details around this movie, but let's get into what you came here for, which is our 10 tropes. We start with our lead in need of a lesson. And again, the book gets kind of thrown out, but, or does it? 
because we don't have obviously our career woman or mousy ingenue but what we do have are two dads who are both at different points of their life and both need to learn something so jack needs to learn to like appreciate what he has which is really funny because he does until the end of the movie when he gets all this stuff and then really appreciates it robert needs to learn um how to say i love you to his son and he does spoiler alert so they both do go through something number two our setting uh big bad city charming small town or magical winter wonderland uh it is a magic winter wonderland really because they go to this cabin which is in uh supposed to be somewhere in in the michigan wilderness and magical things happen kind of i think i guess this tree i don't i don't honestly i don't know i need somebody else to watch this movie and tell me what i saw uh but this does do the great thing of them being in michigan in december which from what i understand is typically a pretty cold place and in the opening scene when they are packing up in mid-december to go on this trip like they're wearing you know kind of like long sleeve shirts with a little vest over it which is not very wintry and as they get in the car and drive away um people run like just people on the streets are walking and there's a woman that walks by like chasing after kids and she is in a t-shirt so just in case you were worried that this was filmed in winter and the actors were compromised no no no, no. it was definitely filmed in july um moving on to our bland love interest which we don't get because this is not a love story i will say both marriages are presented nicely like where the couples are um supportive of each other and seem to get along and all of that so that that's pleasant enough i guess number four is of course the montage or montages should i say because we get a lot of them uh we the initial one is the family car trip which is very much car commercial of the car driving and driving and driving. And then the ADR of characters saying, I'm hungry. I have to go to the bathroom. Can we stop? Are we there yet? I haven't texted in days. That took a really long time. And then I will say, and I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but I did get a chuckle out of it because then they get there and like the kids are all like annoyed and the dad's like, it was three hours. So, eh, symbol. Uh, Second montage, there's a snowmobiling montage, uh, AKA, characters with the camera right in front of them kind of moving back and forth i think is kind of what happened there number three there is a um game a a board a game night montage where you have characters playing both pictionary and charades um to very poor results and uh, as somebody who's been known to get a little frantic during pictionary i might say that i understand how how one can feel because Jack is is doing what I thought was a pretty clear Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, Pictionary drawing, and nobody's getting it. Obviously, these are all too many Christmas public domain Christmas songs. Uh, another montage, the families are looking for the trees. There's a lot of hiking through the woods. And then an opening Christmas gift slash ending over Buster's narration many many a montage number five dead parents or wife uh i didn't think we were getting it and then and then an hour and nine minutes into the movie uh as jack's family has hiked through you know polar arctic winters of of trinus uh jack stops and sends his family on the way and says you guys go i need a minute and he kind of leans back and he suddenly looks up to the sky and says dad actually no 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 no. correct that he says daddy please i don't ask for much but i need this one thing there's a again a lot going on i i'm one of those people that are like i kind of like wince when i hear grown women call their father's daddy so to have like 
50-year-old C. Thomas Howell look to the sky and ask for his dead daddy's help. It just made me a little uncomfortable. But so, yes, there is dead dad. Uh, Number six, sassy sidekick. How can you not refer to Burt Reynolds as Buster the dog as the sassy sidekick? Now, having said that, not that sassy. I mean, he's a dog. He's kind of a, I'd say like a retriever mix. Very cute dog. Very well-behaved and calm dog who takes direction well because all he really has to do in the movie is walk somewhere and stand there and like occasionally look to the left or look to the right. Uh, it's enough. There is a, a very fairly long, in a 78 movie, it felt like this was like 35 minutes, uh, monologue where C. Thomas Howell is is talking, is trying to write his novel and he's talking to the dog and back to the novel and to the dog and the dog just has to keep like looking at the camera and looking away and looking at the camera. Best acting in the movie right there. And Burt Reynolds isn't even involved. Uh, the next one would be slaps oh no evil woman or boss we actually don't get because there really isn't any authority figure over these people and the what who would be the villain um the jonathan silverman character is actually like very nice so none of that uh number eight is slapstick i mean there's a lot of winter hijinks so at one point jack and robert are having a snowshoe race and jack falls on his face and everybody laughs including the audience if the director achieved what he wanted to achieve uh number nine our sage old person Whew, maybe you heard this in the trailer and thought surely jonathan silverman didn't bump into an indigenous man in the middle of the michigan wilderness and say how are you and you'd you know it's it's nice that you have that much faith in a movie like this but no this just happens. An hour, and now I'm going to say an hour and 13 minutes into the movie, when Jonathan Silverman is also looking for this magical Christmas tree, he bumps into a randomly placed indigenous man who just happens to be in, in the winter wilderness and, and says, how are you? Like he is a five-year-old. And the uh, said indigenous man who just happens to be there suddenly gives him this wisdom about like the tree is in your heart and also the tree is over there i don't know it's as sage as you can get in this movie uh and santa claus we do not have santa claus why do we need santa claus when we have a sage indigenous person the bonus round we do get a lot the public domain holiday songs yes and yes and yes we get we wish you merry christmas 12 days of christmas deck the halls and those three over and over and over again uh cloying child no we get shitty teenagers Um, again, in fairness, like the older kids, fine. The neighbor kids, fine. I could not decide if the daughter was a really good actor or a really bad actor because she, it, this was a movie that I don't think I could access subtitles. And that was a shame because the enunciation on the young characters wasn't that great. But at the same time, like, I guess the vocal fry is kind of how a teenager would talk. So maybe that was what they were going for. And I guess they kind of change over the course of the movie. I will say also, I was really, really waiting for the brother to come out because there is this like ongoing thing where he keeps trying to tell a story about him and his friend, like John, I think it was like Bobby or something. And then they're like, oh, tell us a story. He's like, we just played basketball. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, and, and, and then, but they don't. So maybe that comes up in the sequel, one can dream. Uh, No ice skating, but we do have snowmobiling. Uh, no Canadianisms that I caught a character with a Christmas name. Yes, yes. Jack's wife is named Holly. Why not? 
Because when in doubt, if you're worried we need something to tip the movie over, just name your character Holly. It always works. And I will say, Holly is played by an actress uh, I did not know uh, named, I want to say it is Lisa Sheridan. Let me confirm that. Yes, Lisa Sheridan. Uh, she's been in a lot of stuff, but nothing that I recognized her from. And I thought she actually was very pleasant to watch. Um, very attractive woman, looks great on camera, has great hair, like beautiful hair. And just as the mom whose main thing is just to like bake and be supportive, I thought she was like just pleasant. So I don't know if she's done more Christmas movies, but I wouldn't mind seeing her in more. Uh, Christmas tree lighting. Yes, and this goes in with our sprinkle sound effect. Uh, when they find the Christmas tree, the magical Christmas tree, uh, it is supposed to be like in Spanish, el arbor de perfecto or something like that. The perfect tree. Uh, it basically looks like a giant Charlie Brown tree. It's not that attractive, but of course it's magic. So everybody stops and stares and it's great. And as they walk away, it the, clearly the most expensive thing after whatever they had to do to find the material to blackmail Burt Reynolds to be in the movie. Uh, the next most expensive thing was the CGI effect of this tree turning into a computerized, colored, colorful Christmas lit thing, uh, with, of course, lots of sprinkle sound effects. Uh, there is no karaoke, which is probably a good thing. Um, and a careful balance of red and green quite often, quite often, especially towards the final Christmas scene. Uh, also, it's, it, you know, it's not on the list, but I feel like it's important to mention lots of moments of a dog wearing a Santa hat, which I will never complain about. Uh, baking. Yes, Holly is a baker. So there is constant baking. She even has a bake off with uh, Jonathan Silverman's wife, Eva, which I didn't mention. and I really need to. This is weird. I don't understand what's happening with Jonathan Silverman and his wife. Because when we first meet them, um, like they're, it, it's it's this weird like, so John, uh, C. Thomas Howell and his wife were high school sweethearts, and they're when they meet this other couple, they're like, oh, did you meet in college? I don't know why that's a thing you ask a couple, but they do, and the wife is quick to say, no, I'm much younger than him, but I had a lot of work done, which those two things kind of seem to conflict. I guess it's just supposed to be her that I, I don't. I don't understand rich white people, I guess is what it comes down to. Um, but yes, there is baking and like the also the lesson that we get in a lot of these movies, which is like simple is better. So don't do a white chocolate creme brulee mousse with a saffron infusion. Just make brownies because that's what everybody wants. I just want brownies. Uh, and then, of course, the inability to act with a coffee cup or fake eating. We get a lot of fake eating because there's a lot of baking. Uh, and I will say there's a scene where, like, a bunch of characters have to have dessert and have to take a bite. And the, there's some clever camera work to not have to shoot them eating it. But then, like, the, the two teenagers just keep eating it. So good on them. They're young. They don't know yet. Uh, and then that's, that's wow, we, we came to the end of it. This, this was something. Um, of course, we have to take a moment to look at some of the reviews. Only four reviews on IMDb, which is surprising because this movie has been out there for six years. You would think more people would have watched it and had something to say. So instead, I had to go to Amazon to find uh, something worthy. And Alessandra, who gave it four out of five stars, titled her review, Good Family Values Taught Here. Hmm. Um, here it is. Kind of a hokey movie, but teaches some good values. Family movies are hard to come by these days. Good family values taught here. Should watch this, and you'll you'll be good to go and do good. I think that was the intent of the filmmaker. Yeah. So that was 
a Christmas magic, a magic Christmas. What was that? A magic I do, just, oh, man, that's the other thing. It's, it's like the movie Midnight Me Train, which I watched the entire movie thinking like, oh, this has, like, feels like it's going to be, like, mean and, like, you know, kind of throwback 70s. And instead, it's, like, this very sort of clean uh, horror movie that just doesn't really live up to its title. You name your movie a magic Christmas, and I'm watching thinking, like, oh, it's all going to be about magic, right? And instead, I have to wait 72 minutes to get to anything magic. And in the end, it's not that I don't even know if it's magic. Did the uh, you, like you have a talking dog who's not a talking dog and yet you're calling your movie a magic Christmas a lot of issues I have here that being said everybody should watch it and help explain them to me because then once you do that you can also watch the sequel a Christmas Eve ma- magical miracle Christmas Christmas Eve magical hang on we got this a Christmas Eve miracle you see like it's not me right those titles together like I get why they go together, but they also don't. Why wouldn't it be instead a Christmas Eve magic or magic Christmas Eve? Ugh. Yeah. On that note, head to Tubi, watch a few ads, and watch these movies. Please, thank you. Hey, you want to hold this? Thank you. There's nothing in there. Just cranberry juice. Won't hurt you. Just send you to the john a little bit. to talk with all by myself no one to walk with I'm happy on the shelf ain't misbehaving I'm saving my love for you I know for certain the one I love I'm through with flirting just you I'm thinking of Ain't misbehaving I'm saving my love For you Like Jack Horner In the corner Don't go nowhere What do I care Your kisses Are worth Waiting for I don't stay out late, nowhere to go. I'm home about it, just me and my radio. Ain't misbehaving, I'm saving my love.